Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. And not only uh, one of our special guests, but also one of our regular listeners to From the Boardroom to the Locker Room, Dr. Sean Paul, the uh, CEO of the Titans Cricket Franchise. Sean, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's always special to be a guest. Lovely to have you with us. We, when last we spoke, we were heading towards a T20 competition in South Africa. Our cricket team wasn't doing so well in Australia. Oh, my goodness, our times have changed. It's like the sun came out and cricket is again flourishing in this country. Yeah, I must say it is, um, it is indeed flourishing. The SA20, I thought, was a, was a massive success, I guess. Those tournaments um, are judged on in-stadia support, and if that is the criteria, um, then you know it was a massive success. I think Graham Smith and, and Lynn Nadia and, and the team did, did really, really well in taking cricket entertainment to a new level. We certainly uh, hosted six matches, and Oberg hosted seven, so that's thirteen matches, and most of them sold out. Um, I thought it was a great on-field uh, product. Um, and yeah, funny, I think if you put anybody in light blue in Pretoria, they support you anyway. So um, the marketing effort by the team, especially the the capitals, uh, which we had uh, first-hand experience with, was you know something new, something um, extraordinary and set new standards. Uh, definitely a lot of uh, benchmarking could be done. We, we've become really close with the capitals um, uh, which which is also wonderful. You you want to work well with them, but yeah, we've learned a lot, and, and what a great experience. Bit of staff fatigue, I must be honest. There's a lot of matches that you that you yeah. host. I think there were there were too many matches in in that you know three month period because we then had to follow it up with the international calendar. Um, but uh, you know, it's always an honour and a privilege to host uh, international matches as well. When we look back um, at the start of the year, and as I mentioned, we'd had a really terrible time in Australia. We then had the Under-19 Women's uh, World Cup and then the full-blown Women's World Cup. And I think that was a precursor in a way because we needed to get fans back into the stadium. COVID had not cricket in this country. The results, as we all know, if they're not going according to what the fans like, the stadiums are not necessarily full. But it started off the momentum gradually built up, and then it just loaded. But cricket, rugby, and soccer in the same season now. And rugby playing in the European season, so that in itself, um, you know, is problematic. So you you are definitely fighting for market share in terms of uh, bums and seats. So whatever is perceived to be good value or good entertainment, and. So that was the big challenge, firstly, for the Women's World Cup. Women's sports traditionally not that well supported. They did brilliantly. But women's cricket's on the six focus areas of the ICC. Um, it's not always we have a team in the final. So I think Sunaylis and, and the team did brilliantly. I mean, they won everybody over. Great to see Newlands. Newlands, for me, is fertile ground for something like women's cricket because there is a culture of support within the Cape people are passionate. Uh, they're also very knowledgeable about cricket. So it worked quite well. Um, there was a big awareness. Look, I think all sports nowadays cannibalize it a little bit. If you, if you just look at the amount of cricket played, it was a lot of cricket played at the same time. Ideally, you don't want to have a World Cup event um, going head-to-head with the SA20. But somehow we pulled it off. You know, Cricket South Africa gets a lot of flack for a lot of things. Um, but, you know, on that operational level, they actually a war machine. They did really, really well. 
The SA20 was run uh, independently by the SA20, edited up by Graham Smith. So that, that helped in a way so that the SA20 could be done. It's not collectively done by, by CSA. So CSA had the ability to focus on the Women's World Cup and they did a hell of a job out of it, which must have been difficult with um, the SA such a success and, and, and ongoing. So, you know, all credit to them for, um, you know, pulling that off. And also, Jacques, let's be perfectly honest, we South Africans have this habit of not putting their down situations. And, and with respect to cricket South Africa, their first few events in the T20 were not successful. So I think to start with, there was this negative aspect of, oh, here we go again. Yes, uh, as you mentioned, Graham Smith and his organising committee, kudos to them, but he's very humble in saying how the support in Cape Town, but you guys at Centurion, I mean, you have an incredible amount of support these days, and the Australian is, is full and looking wonderful because you've built up the grass bank that most of the Australians don't. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we're thankful for it. The layouts um, is kind to us, uh, the optics too, uh, as well. Um, we refer to our grandstand. It's our only stand. Uh, there's more buildings than one thinks because uh, there's corporate hospitality on the western embankment. Um, but for me, I couldn't believe that we'd have a match on the Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And that was re- literally the sequence. Um and Pretoria and, you know, the areas would support it. Uh, look, the team did well. Uh, it was an exciting product, so it was easy to sell. We literally had, had uh, a rugby on in the same time. So um, I almost feel that cricket fans are a little bit more forgiving if it doesn't go well. If, it, if it's really a good show and it's entertaining, then, they, then they're there. And, and the product from the word go created um, that perception that it is unbelievable uh, entertainment. People like freebies, eh? You get a flag, you get a get a hat, whatever you get, you know. And and um, you know they, they've learned it at the IPL. They put on a hell of a show. Um, all credit to the league and and also the franchise owners that came out with it. And you just needed to snowball, isn't it? You you get a lot of people that's got FOMA. Um, I, I can tell you now a stat that that's mind blowing is on on the opening match. Of the Pretoria Capitals Day, the shop sold 357,000 worth of replica shirts. That's about two, two and a half years um, of replica shirts from the um, Titans in, and we are in, in, in uh, one of three teams that hosted. So on, a, on, a, on the first day, that was what they sold out. So you create this FOMO, this fear of, 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 of missing out. And it's funny how people, uh, you know, just came in, but, but, you know, sport is entertainment, and they got that sport spot on. You know, people came for, for entertainment. Um, I thought the T20 Protea matches was really, really good on the back of that as well. Again, the sponsor came to the party. They realized they had to up the game, which they did. And, and then, of course, we had that record chase on, on, on the Sunday. It was amazing. But, you know, T20 is, 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 is the product. Um, so... Funny enough, when I was say if there's more cricket, there's not necessarily more support. But this time around, it created such an awareness. Uh, it ticked all the boxes. It was very congested. People could follow it. And then again, you know, the product in itself had amazing players, a good mixture of 
South African players, including your uh, Proteas and, and some fantastic international players. And what is good with unscripted uh, entertainment is every match, nobody knew who was going to win. I mean, the pre-tournament uh, favourites, MR Cape Town, surprisingly didn't do well. If you look at the setup, they, they've got, I remember speaking, uh, having a chat with Tienas the Brain after we played them, Anna Newlands. Also, I think it was a Monday, uh, midweek school day, um, you know, in a normal school, you know, it was sold out and, and we beat them with a bonus point. And, and Tennis said, we just fight, just face the best bowl attack in the world. And we beat them with a bonus point. So they'll be back. They'll, they, they, you know, they've got too many stars not to perform better. You know, you had, to, you had to tick a few boxes, which I think the league did very effectively. So the on-field product was unbelievable because you can't really substitute that. You spoke about what your shot did. Did it surprise you like it surprised me how quickly people became passionate supporters of these six franchise teams? They established the brand in three months. Which is remarkable. Which is unbelievable. But I can also tell you that they, um, their marketing department would put out 10 to 15 videos out every day. Smart videos, entertaining videos. At a branded bus um, I, I think they were Spartan going with Sky Blues, which is our, our color as well. Geographically, it's there. People were to um, support support a team. Um, you don't, I guess, if you're a sports supporter, I mean, it's not like you, you support soccer. You support a soccer team in the same with rugby. Yeah. So you, you're going to choose a team. But the uptake and the passion in the way they support it, I walk through those crowds and, and to see people cheer and, and react was unbelievable. I, I, I do think there was a bit of a hunger for it. Um, that that I've got to say, you know, it, it's people that's been staffed uh, from an international T20 competition uh, and now they provided the opportunity. Our, our boys were smart. They went with the name Pretoria. They went with Sky Blue. I think you can put anybody in light blue and walk around and get support in this think of the woods. But, you know, I thought the um, Joburg support. I remember attending a game and how loud it was. And I thought, like, these other guys didn't even exist three months ago. So I, I was blown away. You know, I wouldn't have anticipated it. Um, yeah. All in all, that's, that's even, you know, that's great news. So, Jacques, the honeymoon is clearly over. Um, where, in terms of the franchise, do we go from here? I believe you've been in India. What was that like? Yeah, I've, I've been. Blessed to have several trips to India over, over, um, over my uh, career or during my career. So I think this is my seventh or eighth trip to, to India. Um, you know, such a vibrant, passionate country. When it, I think what is great is they picked up the ball, so it didn't cost us anything. So that was, that was always a, a good start. And we benchmark to see how, they, how they, they do it. They obviously try and duplicate whatever they do there where it's possible in South Africa. Just got an amazing relationship with them. Uh, you know, both the senior guys that work there, uh, and I've worked with some of them uh, when they were at the ICC and I did some work for the ICC. So they were, I knew some of the guys already. But amazing, you know, we went to Delhi, um, set us up in a great hotel and then treated us like royalty. We were in the um, owner's box for the Delhi match. Unfortunately, um, they lost it. Um, we played against... Uh, Sunrisers, so our boys were in the other team, uh, both uh, Aiden and, and Klaas scored a, a fantastic um, 50. So, uh, you know, a bit, bit difficult to, um, to not appreciate your own players' uh, contribution. Um, yeah. It's the way they do things. They've worked it out over the years. You can see it. 
it's an absolute show. Uh, everybody's got a, a replica shirt on. A lot of branding, um, a lot of bling, to be to be honest. There was a light show during the break, which I thought was unbelievable. So they got LED lights. Um, so yeah, they they've learned learned a lot. I think it reminds me when I um, went to the Yankee Stadium, where literally if you, even if you're a vendor, you're in the um, and look, they're smart in 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 creating entertainment. The second game was in Moali, so we had to fly out. It's the last game in Moali, and, and what a, a match we we had by Indians chasing down. I think something like two fifty, something ridiculous. No, it was two thirteen. Sorry, two thirteen, and, and they chased it down. I think with the over to go, and of course, our voucher coaches, the Indians, uh, Mumbai Indians, are we just, you know had a nice chat with him afterwards. Um, but again, it was actually the low, a very historic moment. It's the last match, um, you know, at at Moali. They're moving to a new new stadium, so again, an, a new experience, well managed. Um, look, when, when you attend those games and, and they sold out, uh, you know, it's all about a vibe. That's what you sell in a stadium. Otherwise, you might as well all watch it just on TV. You know, the vibe in there, 32,000 people cheering at the same time. Um, that, that, that does do something to you. Again, you know, what a, what a experience. One is privileged. Like I said, I've, I've attended the, my first IPL was in 2012. And, well, it was a great show even back then. They've learned a little bit. They've changed their hospitality. They've included alcohol that wasn't there um, before. I'm not sure if that's considered best practices or not. They still <laughs> in the stadiums. But their hospitality, they've learned a little bit, uh, if you like, from the Western world. Uh, definitely served alcohol. And even the way they look after their, their VIPs has changed over the years. I was, you know, a VIP in 2012 as the acting COM forever acting at some stage. But the I remember the way we were treated and compared it to our uh, presidential suite experience, and it was nowhere near. That's changed now. I've now worked it out how to do it. It's still very informal. You know, you're not going to sit in a, in a suit and a tie in the owner's box. Um, you're going to sit with a replica shirt and you're going to wave a flag. But the, the way they cater for the VIPs has changed drastically. Chuck, it all sounds fantastic. And, and I hope it's here to stay for a long time. But from an administrative point of view, when you look from the outside in, available. I mean, there's the big batch, there's the IPL, there's the T20 in South Africa, there's the 100 in the UK. I mean, it's like we say, we're playing sport every day, all day, throughout the year. You turn on your television sets. Can we as spectators sustain all of this and still be loyal to the game as it is? Yeah, look, something's got to give if there's such drastic new input into the industry. So, unfortunately, I think bilateral cricket, so countries playing against each other, has got to give. And then formats. The T20 is clearly, you know, uh, the supported format. Uh, I think 50 hours under threat. Um, and, and then, of course, people migrate to the to the biggest entertainment and uh, the biggest show that they, that they can get. Um, we cannibalize it because of the fun- financial model. So the more content you can drive through a lens, the more money you get. Cricket South Africa um, host an incoming, um, you know, T20 match against um, India is as much as $7 million. So, you know, if you can host 10, you'll host 10 because then it's $70 million. So that's yeah. the unfortunate thing. And, and players, you know, also... I wouldn't say demanding more money, but, you know, um, should be paid more money. So, so unfortunately, the model 
suggests that everything as it is now would not be sustainable. Uh, and, and I mean, that's absolutely fair. You cannot even um, argue that. So you almost got to anticipate what's going to give. Um, if you look historically at it, uh, we had the four-day game and the 50-over game. And they were both well supported. You know, Alan Curry used to tell me you can get a ticket for a three-day match Newlands at Newlands, the old Transvaal versus Western Province. So with with fifty over coming in, going was the was the four day cricket. So with T twenty coming in at this level, you can see fifty overs test cricket under huge huge pressure. So so that that'll give in first, um, and and your bilateral window um, will change. It's a debate if we almost going to become like golf, where the best and um, you have your slot in the year and the best. Cricketers in the world just go and play there. Cricket seems to be much more deregulated. I'm not sure if the ICC is much more than just the events company. They themselves has now got an event every year. That's just to protect some form of ICC content. Um, but, you know, the industry will change. In entertainment, it's almost what replaces what. You had radio, people consume sport through radio, or first live, then radio, then TV. Now it's totally different. It's almost you've got to work out what is replacing um, what. Um, yeah, it, it, like I say, it, it is fired on by greed. It's, it's, you know, the industry wants more and everybody wants more. You know, if you said to me that we, we play in the middle of, of the summer rugby, uh, it seems a bit strange, but yet we do it because the financial model works, works a bit better for us. Television demands this as well. South Africa has got a good time uh, slot to to the Asian countries. That three hours time slot works works quite nicely. Interesting to see because you've got some of these big owners has got presence in most of these leagues now. And these leagues will will will, will extend. Uh, not all of them actually makes money, but they're literally in control of world cricket. Then, if you think about it, if I've got a team in America, um, in America they're going to drive hard. Uh, uh, of Caribbean. Um, South Africa and in India. Yo, that's, I mean, we also see the Dubai. It wasn't that successful, but um, it's, it's a significant presence for somebody that, for the first time almost since Kerry Packer, owns the game. Uh, and, and that's where it's going to go. So it's interesting to see how cricket will be deregulated further. Jacques, I have a double-edged question for you now. Um, you mentioned the ICC and obviously the BCCI. Um, is the tail wagging the dog, part one? And part two, did we kind of see that with the surprise at the start of the IPL with the Super Sport announcement that they first weren't going to broadcast it and then they changed their mind and did broadcast it? Was it an issue of perhaps too much money being asked for by the BCCI? And are they, in turn, running the ICC? Look, I think the broadcasting rights is also a difficult negotiation. The thing in South Africa, um, there's, there's sadly no competitive um, opposition to to the uh, pay channel, uh, which yeah. co-owns us. I must declare my interest, but I mean, that is the situation so that, uh, you know, Supersport super usually buy the rights, um, BCCI, you know, expect these rights to go um, quite high, and and they are now trying to create, which they in a way that successfully um, offer to streaming platforms. 
um, which, which again, I think was their way to create a bit of competitive tension. But, you know, you can only afford so much. You know, any, any pay channel can only afford so much. Um, I, I think they realized, and I know for a fact, uh, Graham was involved in, 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 in solving this. But I don't think the IPL as a, as a two world event can afford that um, such a big um, role player as South Africa in, in sport don't value that. Because remember, the time is also very, very good uh, in terms of, of, of viewership. Um, so I think at the end of the day, it was more of a balance. Right, okay, but now nobody, nobody sees it. Uh, it, it, it then drops in terms of viewership. Um, because streaming, sadly, in, in South Africa, um, the uptake is growing so much. But, but, but sadly, live sports content is not so easy and accessible as it, as it should be. So, so I think at the end of the, the day, when it comes to live streaming, it wasn't that easy. And they rely on, on numbers. You know, they've got world players. And, and, and I think at the end, and yeah, almost just before the first match, sanity prevailed um, and, and they got it over, over the line and we, we can view it now. But they, it, it is a negotiation. Of, I've been in, in media rights negotiations with you know, big role players like Star. It's not so straightforward uh, as, as one, one think. I, 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 again, I've got to compliment uh, the broker the deal at the end of the day because um, you know they seem to find find each other even last minute. It's better than than nothing. Mm. Yeah, I was. I, I have to be honest with you. I was convinced that it was an April Fool's Day joke. I mean, it was the twenty twenty ninth of March or whatever it was, and I was convinced. What a great uh, a stunt by Super Sport with regards to April Fool's Day joke. Right, let's move away from that now. Um, because once again, I know it's around the corner for you. It's a little bit away for us to spectate it. The uh, new cricket season in South Africa is on its way. You've got a couple of internationals. Australia on their way at last. You must be looking forward to another massive bumper cricket season. Yeah, we, um, we're looking forward to the new season. So India has not been confirmed, but they scheduled for December. And we've got Australia 15th of September. A lot of Australian content is going to Durban, which... I think is 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 fair. Durban has lost out on a lot of uh, international content for a while now. Um, so I'm I'm not a, a big fan of of taking all three over a weekend to um, to one venue. It doesn't matter which venue it, it is because you know all you need is a rainy you know weekend and then, then you then you yeah. trouble. And, and it's also you know you are selling to the same people three times. So we we, we were blessed with the Saturday Sunday, but if we had our choice. We probably wouldn't. Um, we wouldn't have it back to back. We were in a way proven a little bit wrong. Let's see to see us that every year we challenge them to come up with worse fixtures, and every year they develop the really uh, deliver. But in saying that, you know, one is always thankful for that international um, content. So I'm happy for for the guys down in Durban um, that they will see it. We we see the 15th. It's a Friday again. It's a 50 over competition, so we are a bit a little, little bit nervous. Uh, it is a Friday, no doubt. Uh, we were shocked by the midweek test and midweek test uh, attendance. We did anticipate a bit of spectator fatigue if, if, if you like after hosting so many ma- matches in Gauteng so that wasn't great um, uh, we are a bit nervous about it but then India we, we haven't seen the fixtures but uh, you know we, we used to host the boxing there that'll be big it's a, it's a big con- contest and uh, we're still waiting for the domestic fixtures um, again you can imagine 
doing the fixtures if if they take out about five to six weeks of your season out, which is now the, the SA20. So he's getting busy and busy. As I sit here in my office, we've planted uh, winter grass. It's come out quite nicely. To be fair, it's green. So it actually looks even better than in, in, in summer. So I guess that's your reality. Uh, we also host a few concerts and um, have the spa ladies race here. So, you know, there is a, there is a bit of running going on. On, on on the field, but you know you want to multi-use your your stadium. But looking forward to you know, there's only one thing worse than a lot of work, and that's no work. Yeah, absolutely. When you consider two or three years ago, what was the problem with COVID and all of the, the lack of facilities being utilised and so on, and thank goodness for sponsors and sponsorship. Having chatted to your counterpart with Lofty Spurs, I mean, sponsorship that they have there pretty much saved their bacon, to uh, put it bluntly. When we look forward to the season, obviously you guys prepare a magnificent cricket pitch, a cricket stadium. Titans franchises really, really help, Dijon. Yeah, we've been blessed. Uh, it's going well on the field. Um, the one thing we've got here is a lot of stability. Always boardrooms stability. Otherwise, we keep each other busy with all things not cricket. Um, we, we've got a, a big sustainability focus with club and amateur cricket. So that's something um, that we've been focusing on to see if clubs are, are more sustainable. We're very um, thankful that we can distribute money to clubs uh, on, a, on a, at least a biannual basis, additional to the funds they would receive from CSI, so that that, that we will do again. But um, we're continuously asking ourselves, you know, how to become more sustainable. I think club sport's in, in trouble generally, worldwide as well. Um, but we've seen the Veterans uh, Association grow quite nicely, and also our junior junior cricket, you know, is going through the roof, which which is great great to see. But it is ongoing. One needs to understand, you know, the the modern world is changing. So we want to want to stay relevant with it. The organisation that's debt free with you know good reserves in the bank. Um, but you know, this stability didn't start. Uh, you know, in, in my term, this stability was always here. I think Elise Lombard just made it so easy. Set a, a culture of administrative excellence, uh, and the board. You know, they were senior men that served the game. That's your biggest challenge, almost. If people has got certain agendas um, and don't serve the game, or they just don't have the skill set uh, and, and the experience and the wisdom to to serve. You know, cricket. We servant of servants of the game. I said it the last time. Temporary custodian. So. We, it's definitely not one person. I'm blessed with amazing staff, people that on a daily basis think, how can we serve cricket better? And, you know, that mindset, you know, hopefully long it will continue. You know, sport is well known to score own, own goals. There'll always be a bit of waves because we operate in the public domain. But as, as long as, um, you know, people get it wrong because they're trying hard and not wrong because it's the intention to, to hurt and not serve, then we, we always uh, find a way back. But it's quite remarkable. I mean, you and I are, are old enough to remember the days of Berea Park. I did commentary there. You had Northern Transvaal in the B section. And look where you are now. It's arguably one of the best supported stadiums away from Newlands, perhaps. Yes, you do get a big crowd of the one with occasionally. But when it comes to consistency, you guys have got it right. Now, I know there's always a great leader, but as you mentioned, a magnificent team behind you from the ground staff right the way through to yourself. 
without that, it could never be possible. Brian Bloy is now you know, on, on, on the top of his game. If you look at the T20 pitches that he's producing, you know, match after match, he was the um, groundsman of the tournament in the SA20. So, I mean, he's a fantastic um, um, person. Um, we, we seem to evolve. It's, it's funny. I spoke to guys like Shane Goldby. Um, and uh, a few of the the other guys that was was involved uh, when the game started off, and it was almost back in the day that the Afrikaans Oaks played rugby and the English Oaks played cricket. Yeah. It's almost how it, how it worked. So, so your your first effort to become more inclusive, and if you, if you look at the batsman that was produced by Afis, you know, probably more than Pretoria Boys High, although they, it's a fantastic school. Both of them produce a lot of players, but. Almost to build capacity, you needed the Afrikaans-speaking communities on school level to buy into a new game called cricket, you know. So so that was the first, if you like, um, inclusive involvement. And, and, and that's literally, you know, Henry Matthews and those guys, and that's how we became competitive. We, we convinced the Afrikaans schools to take their cricket as serious as the English schools. That was the first gap, if you like. And then what you needed is is a top administrator over a long period of time, like uh, Elise Lombard, you need Alan Yodan, Vincent Sinovich, um, Brandon Foote. So you needed... For over a long period of time, true servants of the games, and so then they just cement a platform for you that's that that um, you know creates excellence. You had a fantastic coach and guys like uh, Rich Pivers won a lot. You put yourself under pressure. Let me tell you now because that's what people expect. But I mean, just in the since 2003, we've won 20 trophies. I mean, it's unheard of. We've won 11 in the last nine years. The players we've produced come a long way from um, from Berea Park. Um, but you need visionary people. I mean, Vali Basson um, built the stadium, the late doctor. Vali Basson had this vision to we should have a proper proper stadium. And, and then the club structure, they had an amazing club structure, still do, um, not just the university. So if you look at the pipeline, you've got good schools, good university, good club structure, um, you know, sound administrators and, and a board that doesn't keep yourself busy. And, and they've trans- transformed. So if you, if you also say to me that... Um, you know, we'd have a black captain, black coach, and black president, and still the foot tracker museum just down the road, and we we would um, you know still perform well on and off the field. It seems the success story is that we we involved to become more inclusive all the time without uh, compromising excellence. I mean, it's almost that winning dynamic titans, and and that was our, our strategy to say. If you work for us, um, you've got to, you've got to be excellent. So there's no way that Mandla Mashimbi is not under pressure to win trophies. You know, that's, that's, that's not how it works. But if you look at a guy like Debo Hosiku, our president, he's just an amazing guy. He's just a good sports act, you know. Anybody that's got the discipline to run comrades marathons, you know, that's, that's him. But he's such a servant of the game. And you look at his history, he was a club player, then a club chairman, then a board member. And then he got elected 15 years later as the president. So he didn't fell out of the air. It wasn't a token of, uh, um, appointment. Now that's the guy that if he sits down and you talk about club challenges, he can talk about it. You know, they, they've gone through the system. There's a lot, there's enough good talented people, good hearted people, um, you know, to serve sport and on, on any forum. We must just, you know, make sure that we get all of them. Jock, best practice. That's what I say. Congratulations. Well done. We will be chatting again soon. I look forward to the new season and look forward to chatting to you again. That is tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Join us again next time, as always. Be nice to each other. Bye-bye.